This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is the highly speculative asset. Uh, I do own Bitcoin. There is no second best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious podcast, proudly brought to you by the Bamboo app. Crypto Curious is your go-to source for all things cryptocurrency. Whether you're a seasoned pro or new to the world of crypto, we've got you covered. Each week, we'll break down the top news stories of the past seven days, giving you all the information you need to stay on top of the latest trends and developments. Plus, we'll share quick bites of news and insights that you won't want to miss. If you're new to crypto, we recommend starting with our early episodes where we break down the basics and give you the solid foundation to understand the crypto world. Join us as we explore the ever-evolving world of cryptocurrency and educate ourselves along the way. Let's dive in together and discover this exciting potential of crypto. In this week's episode, we zero in on Ordinal's Bitcoin NFT craze. We hear more about the new player Blur taking over the NFT marketplace. We talk about the SEC's war on crypto and we hear from Blake, who's got the inside scoop on Australia's CBDC pilot program, plus all the celebrity news. We've got Rihanna, Keanu, NBA player Paul Pierce. It's a regular entertainment tonight. <laughs> Not really. It's all about crypto. My name's Tracy, and we're here as always with Blake and Craig to give you the weekly dose of crypto. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Hey Trace, great to be back. Great to be back, Trace. What's happening, boys? How are we feeling? Feeling bullish, <laughs> as always. <laughs> He's always bullish. Tracy, did you have an ordinal NFT? No, I don't have an ordinal NFT. You know what? I didn't even know how to buy one. And it's still not easy, but I did have a good look into it the last few days. So you didn't know how to buy one and you're a crypto native. It's not as easy as you think. It's it's pretty hard, but we, we are going to touch on that because it is it is pretty crazy out there and um, it's something that we need to talk about. But look, let's get into our first story. And Bitcoin touched up 25K in this last week and it's been a dream run so far in 2023. But what is keeping it going? Because to be honest, the SEC has started what we feel like as a war on crypto right now, but crypto doesn't seem to care. It's been going great guns and we want to have a look at exactly what has been going on. We're going to give you some updates on stories we've already chatted about over the last few weeks. So thank you to everyone who has already subscribed, who gets these episodes into the inboxes every week. But a reminder to those of you who don't, stop what you're doing and hit the follow button and subscribe along with us. So first, let's talk about what we think has been helping keep the Bitcoin price grinding along amidst the SEC barrage at the moment. And one of these things is the ordinals, which is a Bitcoin NFT. It's very successful at the moment. What exactly is this, Craig? Let's talk about it a bit more. Yeah, well, when you guys had a podcast with Bitcoin Benny a few weeks ago, (laughs) when I was dropped, um, he first started talking about NFTs on Bitcoin back then. 
and now the ordinals, which is a protocol that allows users to inscribe data like images and videos on the Bitcoin blockchain. There's been heaps of projects that have been moving across. The one most notably is the Ordinal Punks. Have you guys seen this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I think one sold for like nine and a half Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Wow, okay. And there's like a bot that I'm following on Twitter that's pretty much showing that the floor on these Ordinal Punks is around three and a half Bitcoin, which is probably the same as the ETH floor, actually, around 80,000 US. So in simple terms, it's just NFTs on the Bitcoin blockchain instead of the Ethereum blockchain mm-hmm. or Solana yep. or Polygon. Okay, so when we first talked about this, we were saying back then when we talked about this with Ben from The Collective Shift that we were saying a lot of the OGs were not happy about this because this was the first time in Bitcoin's history that it was used for anything other than the classic peer-to-peer transactions. But I personally think this is a huge point in Bitcoin's history, huge, in fact. So what exactly is going on here? What what should we be looking out for? Why is this such a big point in history? Yeah. So before the ordinals, uh, the Bitcoin blockchain was just a ledger for transactions and now it's being used for other purposes, right? And Satoshi's vision was to be a peer-to-peer digital cash, not a platform for people to hash you know, their NFTs, their artwork, their websites, their advertising or whatever else to the chain. Firstly, because it clutters the chain and makes it more expensive for anyone else. But then again, who are, who's, you know, it's a decentralized network. People can inter- interact with it however they like. Um, so I think good on them um, for taking advantage of this because Bitcoin does have the best security amongst all of the chains. It's held the test of time the last 13 years or 14 years. So, um, yeah, if you're going to hash saying that's, um, wants to, is going to be around forever, then the Bitcoin Those blockchain. Do it on the Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. So Craig, who is, and it's not minting, it is inscribing because apparently it's completely different. So you mentioned a few of them that are doing it at the moment. Who else is on there? Because I think over the weekend we tipped over to 135,000 that have been inscribed. And I know that, you know, there's people putting their names and their wedding certificates up there and, um, you know, a lot of different projects are just putting copies of their own work up there because at the moment if you go and have a look, it's a good place to advertise. Um, so who are, the, who, are, who are these other projects that are moving across? Yeah, so I suspect probably the premium projects will start to move across, but one of them that has moved across is a Solana NFT premium collection called D-Gods. They put up 535 D-Gods on the Bitcoin blockchain. But Trace, just on your point, when you think it's a big time in history, I think it's going to be a flash in the pan. Okay. You've heard it here. Because I just read before that someone's forked it onto Litecoin. So I just wow. think, are we like, what is going on here? Really? I just feel like maybe, and I suspect that Bitcoin's obviously got more fees. Like, are you going to be able to, what's, it's not mint. What's it called? Inscribe NFT. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine that's cheap, but Maybe we should figure it out as homework and then come back next week with a play-by-play. It would be interesting to see the difference in cost for you know, creating an NFT on each of the networks. But what I suspect is that the miners would be in support of this because the miners are going to be the beneficiaries of all this um, extra network activity. Uh, it'd just be those people that are fundamentalists or you know, um, maximalists and believe in the technology in its purest form um, may not be happy with this new activity. There you go. It's certainly brought a lot more interest to Bitcoin and, and helped with the price action over the last few weeks. But like you said, maybe some homework. We'll keep an eye on it. It's a developing story and we'll see where that one goes. 
So turning our heads to traditional NFTs now and the battle currently going on for top spot in the marketplace. This is going on between newcomer Blur and industry staple OpenSea. The battle between the two has intensified as both platforms vie for marketplace share among NFT creators. Blur seems to be pulling out all the stops right now to try and pretty much outright demolish OpenSea, Craig. Correct, Trace. There is a new kid on the block called Blur, Zero Fee Marketplace. They published a blog last week explaining how creators can earn full royalties on the platform, suggesting that they will block sales from its competitor OpenSea, or OpenSeas as you mm-hmm. call it, Trace. Um, Blur has no fees, marketplace fees, an optional royalty fees, so less fees equals more money for people flipping penguins. So it's turned into a loved product by creators and traders, and they actually did a massive airdrop as well, which was four hundred million USD dollars worth, which is the biggest airdrop that I can mm. remember. And this reminds me of: Did you guys remember when? Sushi was challenging Uniswap. They did an airdrop and then Uniswap had to mm-hmm. do an airdrop. The rumors are on Twitter is that oh, it's trying to force OpenSea's hand to potentially drop an airdrop, which would be nice. Yeah. During the airdrop, the volume reached about $500 million in trading just hours after the airdrop. And this was, of course, people you know, cashing it in straight away, try to make a quick profit, and then other people believing in the long-term success of the the marketplace and, and purchasing those off uh, people that have been airdropped. So according to data from June Analytics, um, Blur has surpassed OpenSea's trading volume um, for the past week by about $13 million. Mm. It's already taking over. And look, there's been a huge debate raging over the last year around how to pay royalties. And royalties are the small fee or percentage of an NFT sale that goes back to the creator. And it's one of the biggest reasons that creators have launched NFTs in the first place. And the standard was always around 5% and it's gone a little lower or a little higher, um, you know, depending on what that creator wanted to place it at. But for the most part, our marketplaces have all been moving to no royalty fee models. Um, But then there was one who kind of held off and not gone that way, and that was OpenSea. But because of everything that's gone on, they felt the pressure and they released last week that they were also going that way. But they think they said that they were only doing that for the next three months. Yeah, for a limited time only, they were going there for the next three months. So why wouldn't OpenSea want to pay royalties to the artists? Is that what you're saying? No royalty fee? You can opt in and do it your own way. You can opt in or out. Yeah. Okay. So it's not standardized across their platform. No. So basically, this has been the ongoing debate because it was traders who are getting angry. Like we talked about this, remember, last year, and I was saying I would would go and sell something Mm. and I'd be like, if you've got something that's worth quite a bit, you're whacked with 5% every time you sell. But if everything's whacked with 5%, then it just becomes priced in. Yeah. But OpenSea were, and others were choosing which collections that they were, were doing this for. Yeah. And Blur was trying to, is now trying to be a kind of a, you know, Robin Hood coming in and kind of and helping everybody, I guess. But it's 5% on every single sale. So like we could all, all three of us could buy the same NFT, trade it amongst ourselves and paying 5% each mm. time which the traders weren't happy about. But what we're saying now is on this, the creators are now missing out. The reason that these creators have all come to um, you know, NFTs as a medium was so that they were getting that residual ongoing fee, you know, and is this going to steer them away from 
putting their artwork as NFTs now. More, more to see in this space, I think. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, we'll see. Again, it's going to keep it's going to keep raging, and we'll see if um, Blur can keep their dominance up over OpenSea. I might just um, touch on a point here, Tracy, that you know this is a great use case of blockchain technology and tokens because um, it allows for smaller groups with potentially more competitive business models to break up monopolies in marketplaces where in traditional markets, they would find it much harder. For example, if I wanted to open up a supermarket or a chain of supermarkets compete with Coles and Woolworths, I would have no chance. But in this digital world with the advent of tokens, they can create the right incentives in the marketplace to then challenge the dominant players and create billion dollar businesses in literally months um, if they you know, get the model right. And th- this is a true, I think, innovation in financial markets, in markets itself. Exactly, yeah. which is what Blur has done. They've come on the scene in October. They've had a model that they want to change and they've done, you know, their airdrop with their token. That's exactly right. And let's not forget, Looks Rare tried to do this. This is not the first time a competitor mm. has done an airdrop to compete with OpenSea and they've sort of fell off the wayside. Mm. So Yeah, keeping those incentives high over time is one of the challenges, you know, because as they these organizations become bigger, they can can't they can afford to give less and less away because it then would dilute the value of the total organization to the current, you know, token holders or equity holders. Whereas at the beginning it doesn't matter about giving away the nominal value mm-hmm. of five hundred million dollars because you're actually creating value, not taking it exactly. from anyone. Yeah, exactly. Well, again, we'll come back to you with some more information about how that's going in future episodes. On to our next story. There's so much going on when it comes to regulation, Craig's favourite topic. I could actually write a book, (laughs) but I've picked out what I think we should be talking about. So there's some stuff here that you're probably coming across yourself and we're not talking about it. And if you do, then please send us an email. There's some details in the show notes below. But let's move on to this story uh, that we mentioned in our intro that seems like there is a bit of a war on crypto from the SEC at the moment. And there's actually, it's actually been dubbed Operation Choke Point 2.0 by one of the crypto natives, uh, which I think is uh, a bit of a crack up. But look, they're continuing to crack down on a streak in new ways all the time. And at the moment, it's a high profile case against Terraformer Labs and Do Kwon. This one's well underway at the moment. Um, we won't go into that one today because there is a lot to take on with that one. But obviously, you know, how long ago was Luna Blake? That was... Yeah, Doak One was the founder of Luna. That happened about middle of last year, yep. about, what, eight, nine months ago. So um, that's taken ter- a while. Yeah, and Terraform Labs. Who? What did they do? Well, that was the... That was, oh, that's that was Luna. the that's lab behind. Yeah, that's behind oh, Luna. Okay. Yep. So finally, the case um, behind that has been brought to the courts this week. But again, that they said it's going to take another three months to actually play out. So that's actually finally in the courts and happening and well on its way now, um, as well as a one5 $4 million fine against a former NBA player, Paul Pierce. He was shilling um, Ethereum Max. And this is the same token that you may remember us mentioning that Kim Kardashian was fined for late last year as well. She she got slapped a $1.2 million fine for promoting that same token. So 
there you go, uh, the SEC out in force there. This is also off the back of the Kraken Queen Bay staking story as well as the push to disrupt the stablecoin market via the Paxos story that we had last week. So again, those are all developing stories and a lot we can say about those at the moment, but the, the podcast would just break out for over an hour or so and we'll only delve into those each week if there's something really worth um, bringing you. So crypto is really in the ring at the moment, going round after round with the SEC. Um, any of those stories that you think that we need to delve in a bit more here before we go on, boys? Craig? You know me. Um, <laughs> That's why I'm I just find it funny how, like, isn't SBF, like, out on bail right now? And that's, like, not even a I thing know. anymore. Yeah. Completely out of the news yeah. cycle. Um, and he was arguably the most sinister one out of yeah. all of them. Yeah, you're right. I think Do Kwon was genuinely probably a mistake of the mechanics of the project and then oh. someone just exploited and, it. And I, I, it might be worthwhile just mentioning that the founders of 3AC – which were a hedge fund that, you know, kind of kicked all of this off. They were over leveraged, borrowing billions of dollars. The founders are out there raising capital got for their a pitch new, deck out looking yeah, pretty. Got their mm. pitch deck out, trying to raise capital for a new crypto exchange that they want to build. Um, so, yeah, p- pretty crazy that they're mm. actually out there in the open. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. funny. It's funny you mentioned that and SBF as well. There's a, there's a photo of him asleep on a plane during the week. There's lots of sightings of him, like you said, just out there casually getting on with life after ruining so many people's lives. So, yeah. Again, let's not spend too much time talking about him, but that's where we're at. Again, we could write a book with the amount of news going on with the SEC's fight right now, but we will bring you what we think is relevant. But sticking with uh, law and regulation, but moving across the pond to the UK and Europe right now, last week in the UK's Financial Conduct Authority issued a press release to say that it's cracking down on unregistered crypto ATMs, having found several of them operating in the city of Leeds. The FCA's Executive Director of Enforcement and Market uh, Oversight, Mark Stewart, said crypto businesses operating in the UK need to be registered with the FCA and anti-money laundering purposes. So fair enough there. In another story, guys, uh, while the European Central Bank issued guidance telling European banks due to the high risk of crypto, they should apply caps on any holdings of their customers, um, even Uh, before the Basel Committee on Banking Supervisions comes into effect in 2025. So the move comes a week after The Block, um, which is a crypto publication, did a new legal draft obliging banks under the law to assign crypto to the highest possible risk rating. Basically, um, you know, it sounds like that the central banks and the banks of Europe um, are at odds with the mission of cryptocurrency here, and they're looking to limit its use uh, through policy. So, you know, it's a big step. Mm, exactly. This is actually a perfect segue um, into our next story, which will be the other side of a break. So stay with us, folks, and we will be back. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Crypto Curious podcast. So last Friday, Blake went along to the Digital Finance CRC Symposium, which was here in Perth. So the DFCRC is a 10-year, $180 million research program funded by industry partners, universities, and the Australian government through the Cooperative Research Centres program. The Australian government's CRC program supports industry-led collaborations between industry, researchers and the community. It was a proven way to link researchers with the industry and the focus is on research and development that will have a commercial use. So I'm going to hand over to Blake. He went along to this. I wasn't able to go on Friday. He came back raving about it. He said it was nowhere near as boring as he thought it was going to be. It was actually really awesome. So um, I've heard all about it. For someone who kind of can get their head around it, you know, it made a lot of sense to me, but Blake sometimes can talk over my head, so I'm going to get me and Craig to jump in here if, if you start to go off track. So, you know, give us the abridged version. Why were you so passionate about this and what excited you about it? Yeah. So first of all, just for a bit of context, when there's a strategic industry that needs developing, the federal government um, funds a CRC, which stands for Cooperative Research Centre, um, for understanding how um, to implement a new technology or to push a particular industry forward or integrate a particular industry into the broader economy. And they do this through uh, uh, long-standing research programs, right? And this research program is around digital finance and how they're going to use or potentially how they could potentially use blockchain technology um, in the broader economy, right? And they've got a, this 10-year program, $180 million to achieve that. And their flagship project is a CBDC. And we've spoken about these before. It's a central bank digital currency. And, you know, they want to figure out what's the business case to implement or for the Bank of Australia to produce, uh, you know, a central bank digital currency. And who's going to use it? How are they going to use it? How do we need to develop the technology? What risks, what laws need to be written um, in order to do that as a test case? So off the back of that, you know, it was really great to see um, their, he their chief scientist, Talis Putnis, um, who, which is a Swedish name maybe. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk about, you know, what they're really trying to achieve. And they want to figure out how to build new marketplaces. So what crypto blockchain technology and tokens have been really good at is creating new markets that previously didn't exist or bringing liquidity to new markets that previously didn't exist. They're also looking at how do they use tokens and blockchain technologies to create efficiencies in markets. Now, we know how efficiently your platforms like Uniswap um, trade hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars a year um, with you know a few staff. 
You know, how can they take advantage of this technological innovation in, in markets uh, and apply it to the broader economy? And then thirdly, they're looking at how do they design markets to create behavioral change? For example, through market design, they, you know, one of the non-financial outcomes could be, um, you know, affecting climate change, you know? So uh, really, really big things that they're trying to achieve through this. Uh, so I'll get into some of the toolkits or some of the specific things that they're looking at. Firstly, um, they're looking at how do they take risks out of markets. Currently, you know, there's all sorts of intermediaries in marketplaces. We have clearinghouses, we have brokers, we have you know banks, we have financial institutions that are, uh, we have escrow services. All that act as like trust anchors or, or or entities of trust in order for us for people to trade. Um, and organizations. And you know, through blockchain technology, they're looking at how do they create efficiencies around this? Because we know that you know, many of these things can be automated using blockchain technology and, and the use of tokens. Secondly, they're looking at how do they bring liquidity to markets. Now, the ASX is quite liquid on the big you know, blue chip stocks, but many smaller stocks don't have liquidity, right? However, many companies in Australia um, and investment funds hold stocks on their balance sheet or within their fund. So how can they use automated market makers like on Uniswap or on SushiSwap, right? So these people that are just sitting on shares can deploy their shares mm -hmm. as collateral like in, you know, uh, and, and earn a yield off that and contribute to more liquid markets here in Australia, um, which I think it would be a massive innovation uh, and create you know, a much healthier economy and create value out of saying that's currently just uh, illiquid and stagnant. Thirdly, they're looking at automation and how programmable money could be implemented into the broader economy, such as escrow service. How can fees and services be, you know, how can smart contracts um, be used to administer fees and royalties, interest payments. And we've seen the success of collateralized lending, like on Aave and Compound, which are decentralized money markets. You know, how can they utilize this technology in the broader economy? Because it is so efficient. Next, um, they want to look at how we, we talked, you know, with regards to tokenomics and how tokenomics have been used to disrupt um, monopolies in markets like with OpenSea and Blur, right? And how can they use token economics and smart incentives in order to break up monopolies in the broader economy? And this is just a line of research that they're looking at and that's extremely fascinating and um, certainly saying that uh, you know, we will see in the future. I, li I like how you said the stocks that aren't sort of traded as much as the big dogs, people can potentially stake mm. whatever it is or provide liquidity for those stocks because that's actually a big problem with with small caps like low cap yeah. asx small caps. and that can be extended to we can create new markets for for example minerals in the ground that can bring liquidity to these asset classes um that you know that then can be used to create efficiencies in the economy you know it all sounds you know it all sounds awesome, but there, were there any issues that they could see? Right, there is so many issues, and this, this is <laughs> there's so much research to be done, and that's really why this is a ten year program. Mm. You know, it's going to take a decade to dial in the policies around these. You know, tying real world assets to tokens, all the legals around that, and the legislation in order to protect you know businesses and consumers is a massive undertaking. You know, getting these systems to scale. You know, traditionally blockchain technologies don't scale that well. Um, they are getting there, but in order to you know, process trillions and trillions of dollars of trade volume or FX or you know foreign exchange, um, they need 
you know, better scaling solutions for that or for the RBA or the Royal Bank of Australia to adopt some of these technologies. Um, you know, there's a lot of education around trusting computer code. Uh, you know, when the internet came about in the 90s, no one to, wanted to go on and use online banking or use their credit mm. card online. Now, people don't want to use smart contracts for, you know, for commerce. You know, people aren't going to leave cash locked up in a smart contract because they're not familiar with the technology, the user mind. experience. Yeah. is poor, mistakes can be made. Um, so there's a lot of work to be done there and they're doing research about how that could look. Uh, as well as that, uh, there's currently there's not that much regulatory clarity. So they're kind of looking at that and how that affects markets, how that affects investment. And of course, incumbents who have traditional standing business models are you know, resistant to change and, and adopting these, mm. new, these new technologies. So they're putting a lot of thought about how that can be done over time. Um, and as well as that, a lot of the legislation around how these things are legislated is out of date. They're, they're they're used for securities, mm. right? And you know, many of these tokens flirt with the line of securities, but it's a new technology. And uh, I think you know, there needs to be a lot of legislation written um, that can um, they can manage these things um, more broadly. So, yeah, no, it was fascinating. And there was a second speaker. Um, he was head of payments at the RBA. Uh, for 10 years, he was head of policy. His name was Dr. Tony Richards. And he said that, you know, the RBA um, doesn't really want a, a CBDC. And the only reason that they, the only, the only reason that they would adopt one is if other countries adopt it. So then it forces Australia and the Which Bank of Australia. Which we've seen is going to happen. Mm. So they know we have to go that way. Yeah. So he said that there's, um, you know, the benefits of a of a digital stablecoin with smart contracting ability can be managed through industry. So we see organisations like Circle in the US that have the US USDC stablecoin. Um, you could you know the Australian government could just legislate the stablecoin industry prudently enough there where you could have a privately issued CBDC. Why do you need the central bank to issue one when industry can do it? That would be ideal. That would be so ideal if, if that was the way it was. So who have we seen just in the last week as well? So Russia's come out. They've done it. Their hand was forced because of what's happened with the um, SWIFT payments, what do you call them? Mm. Um, yeah, they were taken off the, taken SWIFT, off network, the SWIFT network. Which is so they've gone that way. And then Japan as well has come out in the last week. So that is the way it's going and the RBA are going to have to catch up and go that way. They know it. Mm. Yeah. So, and of course, you know, it's it's my opinion that uh, your smart contracting on a CBDC is going to create lots of efficiencies in the economy because things like taxes can be taken out automatically. You know, you won't need to do your BAS or, mm. you know, you won't have to hold superannuation. It'll be done on every transaction. You can mm. code that into the mm. to the currency. But, you know, they're very resistant to it. And they're very resistant to having a central bank digital currency um, administer it as well. Because, for example, if there's, um, you're in volatile times, uh, if people um, don't want to hold a commercial bank currency or fiat currency, right? They there might be a bank run because everyone would sell their fiat for a central bank <laughs> digital currency, um, which would cause quite a lot of issues. That's going to be an interesting time because no matter what, there will have to be that two-tier economy. And like we spoke about the other day, we were saying that it will go commercial first. Yeah, and they talked about that as well, creating two stable coins, which I don't quite understand. A commercial one and a retail one. So one for everyday people to use in their everyday commerce and another one for institutions to use, like banks and mining companies and whoever else to trade with one another. So uh, I don't really understand the design differences between the two, um, but it sounds like it would, to me, it would be more efficient to just mm. create one. Okay. 
Look, I think we've probably lost a few people there, though. Pretty but I, insane, eh? It is insane, and I do find this really fascinating, and I said that perhaps um, that we would maybe get one of the speakers along and do a bit of a deep dive on this because I think it's important to understand a bit more about this topic and where it's going. Talis, um, the chief scientist at the DFCRC, who is an incredible speaker. We'd love to have him on, so maybe we'll reach out to him. And, uh, if you guys want to hear more about this topic, uh, we can get Talis on and deep dive. Um, so please email us at podcast at getbamboo.io. Sounds like a plan. Seems ambitious, but let's hope they pull it off and we'll definitely hear a bit more about it as it goes on. On now to our short, sharp news bites, and I'll kick this one off first. Uh, This is uh, the week before last, but I think it needs mentioning. NFTs have been um, giving fans a bit more than their share when it comes to royalties. Rihanna's hit song, Bitch Better Have My Money. The producer of the song has um, (laughs) teamed up with another block to sell a fraction of his own streaming rights of the song via 300 NFTs. So the NFTs sold out in minutes. They were 210 uh, US dollars each. And the reason I wanted to add this in was because each collector's own NFT gets 0.0033% of the streaming royalties of the song forever. So they're getting paid out for this song forever now of royalties. So I think this is a really great use case, again, for NFTs and the technology and for allowing everyday fans to share in the royalties of their favourite songs. Um, Plus it gives uh, additional benefits to uh, the producer and the artists ongoing. So there you go. Good tune. I got one. I got a good one for us. Um, not crypto related, but a website called podcast.ai is a podcast entirely generated by artificial intelligence. So I've just got on there. You can listen to Joe Rogan interview Steve Jobs and Zach Gilifanakis talks movies with Quentin Tarantino, and the whole thing is AI, so cool. which is pretty yeah, insane. Yeah. They need a token, though. I think that's cool. Following on from the AI theme, Roblox, which is the popular online game, um, has announced that they are using AI to allow creators to build their own virtual worlds with just text. Now, this is probably like one of those no-code um, you know, implementations where people can build stuff and don't actually know how to how to code. So this is a big leap forward and certainly um, I think uh, will be well-received and many people will use it. The Matrix star Keanu Reeves has become something of a crypto fan, calling cryptocurrencies amazing tools for exchanges and distribution of resources. In a recent interview with Wired to promote his new film, John Wick 4, Reeves said, I think the principle, the ideas behind an independent currency are amazing, adding that to poohoo crypto or the volatility of crypto is only going to make it better in terms of how it's safeguarded. So there you go. You know, when you've got John Wick in your corner, you're doing okay I think what's next Yuga Labs the crew mm. that made Board Ape Yacht Club they've also got a secondary collection called Board Ape Kennel Club which is just a bunch of puppies with different traits what mm. is going on how do we live through this era honestly um, anyway so turns out they've completely ripped off the logo from a easy drawing guide company and Yuga has pretty much blamed the freelance designer who did the project. So, so very bad DD from these guys. Yeah, dodgy. All right. The Sony Network Communications, a business division of the Sony Group, has teamed up 
with multi-chain smart contracting network, Astar Network, to launch a Web3 incubation program for projects that focus on the utility of NFTs and decentralized autonomous organizations. Yeah, so these guys are doing some R&D in the space. Um, it sounds like they don't want to miss out, so they're just looking at their options and how can they apply some of this technology or how can they force to some of these new businesses coming through um, that could, you know, support them. So, yeah, great to see. Yes, and it was All-Star Weekend uh, over the weekend, which was great this year because the dunk contest was finally wicked. McClunk, well done. Anyway, to make it even better, they showed off their new VR experience. So this is an immersive way uh, to get into the game. So if anyone that didn't see it and loves the NBA, go and check it out. It's actually really cool. So... They scan you and you can do a few clicks and then pick your player and you're in there playing the game. It was actually really impressive. So go check that out, NBA releasing their new VR experience. And with that, that is the end of the show. It's been a bit of a long one. Thanks to those who stuck with us today. Uh, as we sign off, just have to mention again, the Equity Mates survey is still going. It's in its last week. There's a chance there to win 500 bucks. If you win that, you can pop it back into your Bamboo account. Was his dollar cost average away? Uh, and details about that survey are in your show notes below. So thanks for listening. And as always, we've mentioned you can get in contact via, via all the socials or podcast at getbamboo.io. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. See you next week, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye for now. See you guys. Bye. Crypto Curious is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Crypto Curious are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act of 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.